I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Now it's time for this part of the show where we get some of Ireland's best comedians on to let you uh, to let you in on a few secrets about some of the worst gigs that they have ever done. And joining us now on the line is a hugely popular Dublin comedian, Mr. Eric Lotta. How are you, sir? I'm good, Carmack. How are you? Good. Are you still on a high after the uh, recent uh, Bows victories? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Carmack, because, yeah, I am on a high, and I will be on a high till the next time you beat them in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to actually, uh, if, you were, if, if, if it was possible to bring you in, I was nearly going to get you a Shamrock Rovers jersey with Lawler on the back of it, just to see. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have worn it. <laughs> That's for sure. I'd have used it as Jack's law. It would have been a punch in the face from you to me. I would have been like, well, there we are now. Cool. Um, well, listen, Obviously, you've been doing comedy how long now? Good few years. Oh, yeah, 13 years now, Cormac. 13 years. It's a long, long time. I didn't ever, ever, ever envisage it would last this long. I thought, I'll be lucky if I get 13 gigs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before, um, but here I am, 13 years later. Uh, still spoofing for a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can get away with it, Eric, happy days. Exactly. Yeah. But um, you had a bit of, I suppose, was it a bit of a different route into stand-up than um, most? Yeah, I think, uh, like, obviously, our, um, me and uh, and Willie White came through a very unusual route in that our very first stand-up gig was broadcast on television to the nation, you know? So we yeah. were part of uh, an experiment, I suppose, a uh, social experiment at Dead Bishop's Joy in the Hood, it was, where he went into disadvantaged areas around the country, and Ballymun was one of them. And uh, um, I went down for the audition, did the audition, and then got a phone call a couple of days later. Say, yeah, we'd like to use it in the show, and and the rest, as you say, Cormac, is yeah. history. <laughs> what was that um, audition like? Did you have to go in and do like a couple of minutes of stand up? Or well, that's what I thought. I, 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 well, basically, what happened was, um, you know, I used to work in IBM, and I used to, I suppose, I used to be, you know, the joker yeah. or whatever. And uh, and if anyone was ever leaving the company, I'd, I'd write, I wrote, used to write this big obituary. So and I, <laughs> yeah, about whoever was leaving, and I'd stand up in front of three or four hundred in the in the in the, in the IBM plant, and I'd rip the piss out of them basically. And then everyone would come up to me and say, "Oh, Prince, that I want to bring it home and show me mates and." And people saying, you know, you're, you're wasted here, man. You should be doing comedy or something, you know. And But I, I never, like, at that point, I'd never even been to a stand-up comedy gig. So I didn't know how, how do you get into comedy, so yeah. to speak, you know. And it was the, the missus who saw a sign in Ballymun Shopping Centre. And they never mentioned anything about TV or Dead's or nothing. They just said, do you fancy stand-up comedy workshops? And if so, can you turn up in the access theatre between on this day between the hours of 12 midday and 8 o'clock that evening? Yeah. So I finished work at 5. 
on the bus, got, got up there for about half six or seven, and I walked in, and there was all these girls with kind of questionnaires to fill out, so you know, your name and address, yeah. and then finished these five sentences in a humorous way, and I was looking at a woman going, do you not want me to tell you the few jokes? <laughs> and she goes, no, 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 you should go upstairs now for an interview. And I was going, what, an interview? The hell is this? And then walked upstairs and then into the room, and there was Des, Des Bishop and the producer, Mike Casey, and a big TV camera. And at that point, Des had just broken through into the into the national psyche, I suppose, with his walk experience show, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I kind of knew him. I wasn't, I wasn't mad familiar. I went, oh, that's that Yankee comedian. He went, yo, man, I'm Des Bishop and blah, blah, blah. And this is, this is what we're doing. And I was like, oh, wow, all right. So he spoke to me for about five or ten minutes. He asked me a bit about myself, about, you know, what, what and then what I found funny. Um, who were my influences? What did I find funny about Ballymore and all that kind of stuff? And then, uh, and he said, "Listen, we let you know in, in a few days whether you got it or not." And I got the phone call. And then, even then, there was a doubt about me participation comic because I was in sales in IBM, and the, the day they were going to start filming was say a Wednesday, but I was flying out on the Sunday before that to go to Vegas for a week for a sales conference, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, <lovely. laughs> and, uh, and they went, "Oh, we kind of need you there at the start," but I sensed it was a big opportunity, you know, and. Yeah. I'm, I'm so I said to them, I said, look, I'm running in sick. And they were like, what? And they, <laughs> he went, hang on, hang on, hang on. They went, geez, this fella really wanted it. And he went, he had a meeting and he rang me back and he said, listen, go to Vegas. Come back and join us a few days later. Like, you know, so if anyone ever watches that episode, you'll see the initial group all meeting together and I'm not there. And then I, and then I arrive in later all jet lagged like, like, like someone on heroin. There's some guy with, uh, <laughs> with your face mask there just sitting in the corner going, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember Willie, Willie says to me, because I didn't know Willie before that and I only met him through that show and, and he said to me, so we didn't know what was going on. We heard some big shot was coming out in Vegas. Like, Who the state is? You know? <laughs> and I walked in and uh, it was a cringy, cringy moment because they all knew each other and I didn't know anybody. I felt like the new kid at school, yeah. you know what I mean? And and Dez did a cringy thing with him. Yo, Eric's first day, we got to all show him some love. Let's all give him a group hug. Oh, I was like, God. God sake. And they all came in and gave me a big hug and it was painful, but <laughs> it makes for good TV, comic, you know? <laughs> oh, God, right. So th- that, that, that's mad. But obviously along the way, it's kind of par for the course where you get some brilliant gigs, a lot of grand gigs, and then there's one or two howlers that you try and just forget and bury into the back of your mind. But I thought we'd dig through one or two of them maybe uh, if yeah. you had any special, terrible gigs you wanted to share. Well, I, I suppose, you know, the worst gigs would have been uh, a long time ago, you know, when you're less yeah. experienced kind of thing. I remember um, I did a show, uh, Paddy Courtney used to do a lot of um, emceeing and um, and TV warm-ups and all that kind of stuff, you know, he used to do warm-ups for the Late Late Show and all that. And I think I was at the stage where I had about 10 or 15 minutes of material anyway, and he, he rang me and he said, I've got this gig, I can't do it, can you do it? And I said, what is it? And basically what it was, was they were recording, a live recording of Celtic Woman in oh. Slane Castle, outdoors, you know, with the fire and brimstone. I want to see the stage, had a big orchestra yeah. and everything. And basically they wanted me to go out and do a bit of warm-up before the singers all came out to record their DVD for the US market, you know. And then buses and buses arrived full of American tourists and uh, they all sat in these, like, like temporary stands around this beautiful stage. And I was shoved out. There you go, Eric. Out you go. And I went out oh, and I did no. my thing. And I was like, oh, it was all right. I did okay, you know. It was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And then he said, okay, Eric, here's, here come the singers and all that. I was like, flipping nice. And that was a handy one. And then they, they'd only started the song and it started raining. And they went, right, quick, everyone off the stage. Eric, you got back out there. And I was like, what? And I, so I was thrown back out on the stage in the rain with no material left. Oh. And then... Um, and looking at these American tourists, about two, three hundred American tourists are staring at me. And 
I tried to engage with him, but it was so inexperienced. I didn't really even know what I was doing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and to the point where it got so cringy, and, and then oh, and then I heard no. the, the, the unbelievable call of, "Okay, Eric, that's okay. It's grand. Here come the singers again." I was like, "Oh, thank God for that!" <laughs> and the singers went back on stage, and again. 20, 20, 30 seconds into it the rain's out ah, again for oh, God's, God's sake. sake I got flung back out again and I didn't know what to do and actually I think they even felt sorry they felt sorry for me in the audience because some woman walked from the from the stand up to the stage and handed me an umbrella <laughs> so I was standing there standing there with a microphone and an umbrella looking at them it was like a spaghetti western standoff me and 300 American tourists and, and, and the only thing I could think of the only thing I could think of on the spot was I was sing or something I sang I started singing I am singing in the rain and the all started joining in and um, and I know you said that should be these should be a crap gig comic. it was a crap gig but I got away with it in the end because the rain was there and I started singing we're singing in the rain and they all joined in and perhaps there's a lesson there I think you know when you're faced with 300 uh, American tourists who were there to hear a concert of sorts best thing to do is not do jokes and just sing songs you know <laughs> Le- lesson learned God yeah. how long were you out in total were you kind of performing for, for oh, trying to well the first section I did when I did all my material was 10 to 15 minutes and, yeah. and you know for any warm up that's usually enough but um, obviously I wasn't aware that the elements would dictate that they would throw me back out there again even though yeah. I had no more material left you know um, so and I mean in fairness the Paddy Paddy thought it was only going to be 10 or 15 minutes he didn't realise either that once it started raining it would be thrown back out again to the Lions kind of thing but again there's, there's, there's another gig I can remember as well comic um, I remember doing a gig down in um, Wexford I think it was Wexford it was a student gig and uh, it was a rag week or whatever and we, it was in a bar and it was packed brilliant great students but there was this guy kind of uh, two kind of farmer fellas just at the bar yeah. who had been there before the students had moved in so they weren't moving do you know what I mean and they weren't paying in because they were already there yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I got up and I was doing my thing and the gig was going great and then and then the, the farmer just roared something at me he took umbrage with something he said I don't know I don't even remember what he said and um, he got he said oh, you, you do that again and you, you say that again or something and you'll find out you'll find out and I was going say what again just say it again and you'll find out I was like, yeah but I don't know what to say you know and it was a real standoff and then the, the bouncers knew it was a bit of a situation because every time I went to start the gig a man stood up and got like almost in his face got really aggressive like you know God. and I was I, I, like aghast I don't know what it said um, as I said the rest of the students were all in a heap laughing at the material so I, I mean I wouldn't as you know Carol, I wouldn't be the most offensive comedian anyway like yeah. you know I mean it's fairly middle of the road so like you know but um, he, he and, and then he um, as he was getting cajoled out the bar by the, by the two bouncers he just roared back and said see you I'll be back with me double barrel and then we'll see and I have to tell you comic Jesus I had 15 minutes left of the gig I think I did him in three <laughs> <laughs> I said quick before the, before the set had finished I was like quick start the car. <laughs> so, and did uh, you ever find out what what his issue was? I think it was whatever something I said. Uh, I think maybe he thought I was slagging him off or something. Um, I think he, he took because I went, "What are you talking about?" And I said something. You know, when you know you're heckled, you have to kind of put them in the box, kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And that's I attempted to do that, and I don't think he he was too happy with that. You know, uh, he just got really, you could start swearing and all that and getting right up in my face. And that's when the bounces all came in and went, ah, here, you know, the fella's telling jokes, he doesn't deserve to be attacked. (laughs) Or shot, uh, Eric. 
shot dead, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a worse gig, wouldn't it? Man? Eric, I've oh, kneecapped that a gig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy school blown out there last week. Great gig, great gig. <laughs> God. Right, yeah, so some, some dangerous violent gigs there. Well, potentially violent ones. God, <laughs> yeah. God. Um, but, yeah. but then, like I said, you're 13 years doing it now, and I know you've had, you've, you're obviously doing all the main festivals and stuff and, and the biggest gigs around the country. What have been your favourite gigs that you've done so far? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, when you have a, a career of sorts, like a comedy career, you, you look at little milestones, and um, I suppose the first time, the first weekend I was headlining in the Laughter Lounge, or the first weekend, the first time I got the, the call up to the Cat Laughs, all of those gigs were very special because they were, you know, monuments of, uh, yeah, of, yeah. of, of achievement and, and progress. And there's, there was individual gigs all through the years that, I mean, like I remember doing um, Live at the Marquee, uh, oh, in front of 5,000 and um, that was brilliant like a, a bit weird because it's such a big venue and the acoustics are different and even though like what happens is you do your joke and in a normal venue the laughter hits you straight away because the, the, the venue is so vast there's that split second delay in the laughter coming towards you but for that split second when you're not aware of it your heart drops because you think oh, the joke God, is, I, and, can, I can and, imagine yeah and died, you know and you do it and you're like <gasps> and then <laughs> oh, like, you're like, you feel like raw going, what? What's you? You know? God, I can imagine, yeah, that one little yeah. second, you're like, that was my best joke, and there's yeah. nothing. Oh, no. And here's me going, this is bulletproof material, this whole glass, what you like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, my favourite venue, Cormac, is I love, any time I'm asked to do a gig in Vicar Street, I'm all over it. I love, love, love Vicar Street. And I still harbour the dream of um, of doing a solo show in there, you know? I mean, I've had a couple of times it's been, you know, it's been kind of offered to me, you know, would you want to do one? Um, but I'm always of the opinion that I think I would love to do Vicar Street don't get me wrong but I only want to do it when I know it's going to be full and you know I don't want to kind of you're not reaching out to your second cousins going listen (laughs) come on just so apparently that a lot of people do that in the, in the, when the first gig and you know if I have to I will I will um, I will build everybody into going like you know like uh, as you say family second cousins the works and bring all their friends the people I used to work with over the years but, you know anything to fill it but yeah unless I knew I was going to get at least a thousand in there I just can't see myself doing it you know yeah. so, but yeah Vicar Street I love anything in Vicar Street is, is a great gig and the Ivy Gardens which are coming up now again that's a, an amazing festival and it's different to the Cat Laughs Cat Laughs is great go down to Kilkenny for the weekend but what I love about the Ivy Gardens is it's in our own city um, you get to your own bed at night um, <laughs> and there's a lot to be said for that you know what I mean yeah. um, you're not waking up in a residence fire at 7 in the morning with a ball of conflicts in your head like, oh, how does I get here you know? <laughs> how did this happen again for the fourth year in a row oh my god god Daly and all's going well in, in Fair City and Joe that are you and stuff yeah yeah still still doing me, me, uh, me couple of days a week and Joe and you know I'm very lucky with that position Carl, yeah. you know it, it, it's to be one steady piece of income and I've gotten to do so many brilliant things with them over the years and you know so, sometimes I go in and I go oh for God's sake and then I have to give myself a slap and go geez I think of all the amazing things you've done in here like the amazing trips you had like you know so oh, it's so easy <laughs> to just get pissed off isn't it I know and then you realise hang on a second I'm giving out about meeting Macklemore at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday <laughs> shut your mouth <laughs> or, I'm, or I'm giving out because they forced me to do Route 66 across America on a motorbike <laughs> how yeah. dare they yes I never agreed to this you're like, come on, really? <laughs> I'm not an animal, yeah. you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and the first city thing—I haven't been in first city now since um, since October of last. Cahill character, I yeah. say, he's a gangster, and he did the gangster thing. He took off the cost of the assault <laughs> with the rest of the gangsters. <laughs> so that's pretty tight now at the moment. 
and um, I still don't know. Like, I mean, there's, there's the, the great thing, the, the mad thing, uh, comic is, even though he's an, an awful piece of work, he has a lot of fans, and you know, I, I'm continuously asked. Are you coming back? Is he coming back? And I, you know, I'd love to get to an answer, but the chance, but the fact is, I don't know. I don't know. But he hasn't been killed off, and he hasn't gone to Galway, so there's a chance he could come back. That's a weird thing in Fair City, by the way, comic. If you get sent to Galway, that's it. It's game over. You're never coming back. That's it. Yeah. That's like when you're told as a kid the dog's going to live on a farm, and you're like, oh, yeah. deadly. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to Galway, you're never coming back. That's the thing. So I only went to Spain, so I should be able to come back. You know? <laughs> Happy days. Uh, a bit of yeah. luck. Um, well, listen. Thanks for joining us this evening, anyway, Eric. And um, quickly, social media handles people can uh, connect with John. Oh yeah, just it's just Eric Lawler, so it's Lawler without the W. Yeah, I'm that idiot who spells without the W, so it's E R I C L A L O R. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and I said there'll be numerous gigs in the Vodafone Comedy Festival coming up yeah. in the next couple of weeks where people can catch it. Brilliant. Yeah, and, and, and the, uh, the Billy Anderson gig, of course, in the Workman's Club on the Friday, which is a gig we're all looking forward to. For, you know, for Billy. Yeah, that's this this Friday in the Workman's, and uh, yeah. I'll share out details as well from um, Room One Hundred Four's uh, Twitter and Instagram handles. But Eric Lawler, listen, thanks a million for popping on. And best of luck with the, the gigs coming up. They're a gen comic. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.